I'm just giving up already. All right. Any sound I make as a part of the sermon, other than what I say, you have to do. And you have to keep doing it until I stop. Same old love, Selena Gomez, circa 2015, this is how it starts. But also West Side Story, somehow did not win the Tony for Best Musical in 1957, did win Best Oscar Movie in 1961. When everybody's doing it, it's kind of a cool sound. Until it stops. So in West Side Story, the the snapping is prelude to violence because immediately a knife fight breaks out. It's set on the west side of Manhattan, gangs fighting against each other, jets versus sharks. And and it's just so reflective in in kind of a musical-ish, Romeo and Juliet-ish sort of way of all of the conflicts that are part of our human existence, the ones within and the ones without and how often those two things reflect each other. And, and if we're smart about it, we, we think about those things and, and we dream, sometimes infatuated at the violence and conflict, but in our better moments realizing how uh, much of a dead end it is personally and collectively. And we just kind of pray that it would end, if not for our generation, then perhaps for the next, for the children. Children have to come from somewhere. Mothers, I believe. It's Mother's Day. Give it up for the mothers. Yeah, I would think. And being the preacher that I am, I I got to thinking as I read today's scripture lessons, what sort of mother would raise somebody like the Apostle Paul, not to mention Silas, but especially Paul? Because he's a crazy dude. He truly is. He does amazing things throughout the Bible. And he has a spirit of of faithfulness and of intelligence and of relentlessness that's unbelievable. He is brave and he is bold. What type of mom raises somebody like the Apostle Paul? And nowhere do you see his spirit more clearly displayed than in Acts chapter 16. This, This crazy story about Paul and Silas that starts out as kind of a buddy movie and then just goes in all sorts of different directions. So we got to walk back through it just a little bit. So it's a buddy movie, Paul and Silas moving through present-day Turkey, doing amazing stuff, and they get to this one town where they encounter a slave girl with a spirit of divination who makes a lot of money for her owners. And as good as Paul must have been raised by his mom, uh, in this particular situation, he does not appear to be affected by the fact that this girl is a slave or that she's exploited by her owners or that there's some spirit within her that causes her to be something other than what she's not. None of that seems to bother him. What does bother him is that she won't shut up. And she keeps telling everybody who will listen who Paul and Silas are, and Paul just wants her to be quiet. Shh, shh. Where are you, people? Shh. Got to be all in. You got to be in all in until the end. Shh. And finally, she was quiet. That sounds pretty good too sometimes. But of course, this made her owners furious. She had been freed of the spirit. We don't know if she's ever freed of being a slave. 
But they go crazy and they incite the crowds to violence. Cue the prelude, hey? And the violence is crazy and they beat up Paul and Silas and they're thrown into jail of all things. And there's nobody there other than the guy who puts them into chains. But there's nobody there to like clean their wounds or feed them any food. And it's a pretty cool sound until it stops. Maybe it isn't such a cool sound as you start to think about it. And so there they are in jail. What type of mom raises her son to be so brave and bold that when you've been beaten to a pulp and thrown into jail and put into chains and nobody's there to wash your wounds and nobody feeds you anything, that your response without Ben or the band there to accompany you is to start singing, which is what Paul and Silas do in that dark, dank, spidery place as per the children's message. They choose to start singing. Now God, I don't think, plays favorites, but, you know, even the best of parents gets to play favorites every once in a while. And so maybe God plays a little bit of a favorite in this story and sees that Paul is bold and brave. He's the type of guy who's been raised so that when you've been beaten to a pulp, thrown into prison, put into chains, and there's nobody there to wash your wounds and nobody to feed you anything, that your response to that is to start singing. And people like that shouldn't be left alone. And so God, at least according to the tradition, sends an earthquake. Sends an earthquake. And it's so crazy that it finally, that it finally breaks the chains. We are not giving up on those people. We are not. And Paul and Silas are set free from a situation which just prior to that had seemed as if there was no escape. So what type of mom raises her son so that when he's beaten to a pulp, thrown into jail, put into chains, no one to wash his wounds, no one to feed him anything, chooses to sing, and then when is set free, decides to stay there. This gets us to the jailer. Now we're back to the knife scene. Only this one isn't external, it's internal. He thinks the prisoners are gone. This makes him crazy, and it also makes him aware that he's probably doomed. And so he's going to turn that on himself. But those two guys down in the prison who had been singing, and you'd have to imagine that maybe that echoed up into the place where the guy lived, those two people who had been singing all this time have some recognition that that's where this jailer is at, and so they choose to cry out to him, don't do it. You know, we're still here. And the implication is, we're still here for you. And on Mother's Day, or it could be Father's Day, when, when you think about it, if, if you had one prayer that you could ever pray for your child, what would it actually be? And maybe a possible answer to that is that you'd pray for them to be brave enough and bold enough so that if someone beats them to a pulp, throws them into prison, puts them in chains, does not wash their wounds, gives them nothing to eat, 
that they choose instead to sing in prison. And that when they have the opportunity afforded to them to escape, they choose instead not to do it, but to take the bitterness and resentment that had been poured into them and to offer it out as invitation and redemption to the very person who had helped put them there in the first place. It's an amazing story. And so then the events play out as they do in God's good way. The, the jailer recognizes they've not left, and he puts the sword away. And, and he takes these prisoners and must have taken delicious, awesome cold water. And pours it over their wounds. And then the natural outcome of that is, is that delicious, awesome cold water is poured over him. The waters of baptism. And then, almost as if by reflex, having been welcomed and forgiven and invited into the community of faith, he knows he's got to break bread with them. And, and so he does. And they sit down and they eat together. And now that raises the question, what, what type of mom raises a man like the jailer? A man who also thought there was no escape. And a man who who when offered an alternative, uncertain though it may have been for him, seizes it, embraces it, walks into it, adds something to it, washes the wounds, offers the bread. It's Mother's Day, people. Give it up for the moms. And there is no correct answer, you know, to the question. If you, if you had one prayer you could ever pray for a child or someone important to you in, in your life, what would it be? That might not be a bad thing to think about a little bit today. But one potentially pretty good answer would be to pray for a child who spiritually is brave enough and bold enough so that the violence of this world, which is so able to spread, and which sometimes seems kind of intoxicating and alluring, is in fact the dead end it's been all along. And that we exist as, as the people of God to bring good news into this world, a powerful thing, a veritable earthquake that breaks the chains of injustice and hate and all those things that cause us to destroy ourselves or to destroy the world around us. Paul ended up living a shorter life than he probably would have had otherwise, but what an awesome life he lived. Brave, bold, source of redemption, a walking earthquake, the waters of God and life. And when you behold something like that, then the people of God are awed, into silence. But you do get to speak one word at the end, and you know what it is. Done.